not Pastor Reben's word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. And Father, we thank you today for your spirit. Thank you for your presence in this place. Thank you for using this church and these members and people, those who are watching, to know Christ and to make him known. Let this church be a church that lights up the world. Let us be salt, not so that we can sting the wounds of people, but, Father, that we can use it to heal and to soothe. And so I thank you today for the word, and I pray that you will Help me articulate what the Spirit of God wants to say. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Let everybody say amen. Amen, amen, amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I'll call it up. All right. Good morning, everybody. So how many were here on last week, if you were here on last week? Yes, yes, yes. And if you're watching us, last week we celebrated what I call Resurrection Discovery Day, which, of course, is better known as Easter. And so uh, we did a production on last week, and it was phenomenal. Can we give a hand clap again for the staff and the cast? It was phenomenal. And it was called the Garden of Scars. And so if you missed it, uh, please go to our YouTube page and I want you to go and sit down in a, in a place where you can watch it uninterrupted because I believe it will definitely touch your heart and touch your life. And so I want to follow up the production with a similar title, uh, with a different perspective. And so if you're taking notes or if you need some notes and you're physically in the house, raise your hand and our ushers will give you some notes. And if you're watching by way of the internet, then the notes are also available. And if you're taking notes, today's title is Managing the Garden of Grief. Managing the Garden of Grief. And the goal of the message today is to learn how the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ position you and I to manage and overcome the griefs of life. Let me say this. If you have lived five days, you have probably experienced some form of grief. Amen. I heard a story about a couple who had been married about maybe 45 years or so, and her husband got seriously ill. And so they went to the doctor, and after the doctor examined the the husband, uh, he called the wife into his office to discuss the state of her husband. So he asked the husband to step out and so the wife came in and so the doctor told her that her husband was suffering from a rare disease that was combined with stress and if she did not do the following he was going to die. He said each morning I need you to fix him a healthy breakfast. Be pleasant and make sure he's in a good mood all day long. I need for dinner for you to fix an extra special nice meal for him. And don't ever discuss your problems with him because that will only add to his stress. 
Try to relax your husband in the evening by wearing some nice lingerie and give him plenty of back rubs. Encourage him to watch plenty of sporting events. And most of all, love your husband several times a week and satisfy his every desire. (laughs) Sounds like he's in the room. So on the way home in the car, the husband asked the wife, hey, what did the doctor say? She said, he said, you're going to (laughs) die. I'm sorry. (laughs) Grief is something everyone will experience. However, most people never learn how to manage and overcome grief. Now, let me give you the definition of grief. I'm going to give it to you in a biblical definition, and then I'm going to give you in the dictionary, and then we're going to dive into the message today. So grief in in the Bible dictionary means sorrow, pain of the mind. And it means to grieve and to mourn. Now, the dictionary defined grief as distress over affliction, death, or loss. Affliction or distress over affliction, death, or loss. And what's interesting is before uh, going through divorce, I only associated grief with death. But since now, I've experienced and learned that grieving can also take place in loss. You can grieve over losing a job that you love. Amen. You can grieve. You can have financial grief where maybe you hit a hard time and your finances have taken your life backwards. You can also grieve over losing material possessions. You can, you can grieve over losing a pet. Amen. Grief can also be caused, listen to this, most people don't know this, grief can also be caused by having unfulfilled expectations. So many single people that I know, especially women, have made it a goal to be married at a certain age. And now that age has passed. And so if you don't watch it, you'll begin to grieve over unfulfilled expectations. Proverbs chapter 13 verse 12 addresses this. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Has your heart ever been sick before? He says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Now the NCV version of Proverbs 13, 12 says, it is sad not to get what you hope for. Wow. It is sad not to get what you hope for, my bad. But it says, but wishes that come true are like eating fruit from the tree of life. Listen to Proverbs 13, 12 in the easy read version. Listen, there is a version for everybody in the Bible. You know, I I would love for them to come out with a hood version. I'm waiting. Is somebody going to do it? The, the easy to read version says, listen to this. Hope that is delayed makes you sad. And there are a lot of people today who are grieving over either unfulfilled expectations or watch this. Expectations that have not or are not going to happen at all. And so the lie about grief is that it will go away by itself with time. But that's like putting a Band-Aid on cancer or a Band-Aid on a broken bone and expecting it to heal. 
And although grief is, is normal in life, listen, believers should not normalize it. I'm going to say that again. Although grief in life is normal, we as believers should not normalize it. You say, well, what does that mean? We should not say, well, that's just the way it is. That's the way it's going to stay and nothing else is going to change. No, 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 no. God doesn't want us to grieve like the world does. The New Living Translation uh, in First Thessalonians chapter 4 talks about this, especially when it comes to the death of loved ones. It says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to believers who have died. Watch this. So you will not grieve like people who have no hope. Amen. For since we believe that Jesus died and raised again uh, to life, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. So why is it that when someone that we know, a loved one in our family, when they die, we grieve for life when the fact is we're grieving like the world grieves? He said, don't grieve like that. Don't grieve like you don't have hope. Why? Because if they are a believer in Jesus Christ, he said, listen, they're going to come back and return with him. So if you're taking notes, here's the first point, and that is Jesus experienced grief. Jesus experienced grief. And that's what we're talking about for the rest of the month. We're going to talk about Jesus and Jesus experienced grief. So I'm going to show you something about uh, where... Jesus experienced some grief in the Bible. It's in John chapter 19. It relates to the Garden of Scars production that we did on last week. It says, at the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a what, church? There was a what? Come on, church. What was it? Come on online. What was it? It was a garden. And in the garden, there was a new tomb in which no one had ever laid because it was the Jewish day of preparation. And since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. The most difficult thing that I think that Jesus had to go through in suffering and dying is that it took place in a garden. And sometimes most of the difficult things in life, they happen when we should be celebrating. Have you had everything going real good? Everything's good, family's good, children's good, job is good, business is good, everything's good. And then all of a sudden, out of the good, boom, something happens. We started construction for this building in about 2016. And so we moved in in January of 2019. So it took almost three years from start to finish, from preparation all the way to the end. And in 2019... It was an amazing year. Our church began to grow physically and in all kinds of ways to the point where we prepared uh, to have a third service. And that was, listen, that was going to take place in March. And then in February, my dad dies. Right after a big high, here comes a low. I tell people, they say, well, how is it being a pastor? I say, it's like being a drug addict. I say, you high one minute and then you back down, you drop down alone. He said, well, how is that? See, one minute I can get a phone call from a member saying, Pastor, I got that promotion that we've been praying for. And then I hang up and get a text that says, Pastor, my mom just passed away. So being a pastor is like being a drug addict. Pray for your pastor. <laughs> I'm not on drugs, okay? <laughs> but here it was on one hand, things were going well with our church. Then my dad passes. 
in the midst of me fighting to save my marital relationship and then COVID took over the world. Everybody say grief is real. Grief is real. And this is what Jesus was experiencing in the garden. And sometimes I think we put Jesus in a category where we think, ah, he didn't really feel what he was going through because he was divine. Well, being divine doesn't exempt him from grieving times. And you know what? We're divine. The Bible says that we have been, uh, we've received this divine nature by way of the Holy Spirit. And just because we are divine doesn't mean we're not going to experience grieving times. And that's why the Hebrews chapter 4 in the New Living Translation says, This high priest, Jesus, of ours, he understands our weaknesses. For he faced all, everybody say all, all of the same testings that we do, yet he did not sin. The Amplified Version says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to understand and sympathize and have shared feelings with our weaknesses, our infirmities, and liabilities to assaults of of temptation. Watch what he says. But one who has been tempted in every respect as we are, yet without sinning. Jesus had to deal with grief. Can I tell you a secret? If Jesus had to deal with grief, guess what? We're going to have to deal with grief. And you say, well, pastor, why are you sharing this? Well, because I believe the average person goes through grief and they never address it. The New Living Translation now tells us about how Jesus had to deal with grief. This is in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 1. He says, who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed this powerful arm? Here's a description of Jesus now. He says, my servant grew up. In the Lord's presence, like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his presence. There was nothing to attract us to him. Watch verse 3. He, Jesus, was despised. He was rejected. And Jesus was a man of what, church? He was a man of sorrows. And he was also a man acquainted with what? Deepest grief. I mean, Jesus might not have had a girlfriend to know how he, you know, how that feels to break up, but he still, listen, he still had people close to him that betrayed him. How many have been betrayed before? Let me see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, that stings as well. Jesus was acquainted with grief. He understands grief and because he does, he can help us and he's willing to help us if we want some help. Which brings me to point number two, because I'm going to show you today how to get free from grief. You say, well, grief, I'm talking about, see, because extended sadness is grief. As a matter of fact, if you grieve too long, you move into what they call depression. And there are lots of people who are depressed and they don't know it. Here's point number two, if you're taking notes. Grief must be managed, not minimized. Everybody say grief. Must be managed, not minimized. You know, the Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. But here's the thing. You won't experience the joy if you have been overcome with grief. And sometimes having that, oh, it's no big deal. Oh, I'm good. Oh, I'll get through it. If you have that attitude sometimes, it minimizes something that can maximize your emotional state in a negative way. In other words, if you don't manage grief, grief will manage you. 
But here's what happens if you don't properly manage grief. So if this is happening in your life or has been happening or happening in somebody's life that you love, you will now be able to pinpoint, oh, wow, they're going through grief. Here's three ways you can either handle it. You can nurse it. Everybody say nurse it. You can nurse it. This is when we are hurting on the inside and then we take the wounded animal approach. In other words, we protect the pain instead of seeking help for it. Have you ever tried to help a wounded animal? Normally they will bite you or they will resist you. Why? Because they're, they're trying to protect their, their pain, not knowing that you're trying to help them. We isolate ourselves, which can eventually lead to depression. So if you find yourself wanting to be by yourself, not wanting to be around nobody, want to just, you know, stay in the bed, uh, those are symptoms of, uh, that can lead to depression. But what you have to ask yourself is, what am I grieving over? Amen. So you can nurse it. Everybody say nurse it. You can nurse it or you can rehearse it. In other words, this is when long-term grief, listen church, turns into pain because we rehearse it. Watch this. We rehearse what happened verbally. We rehearse it mentally. We rehearse it emotionally. And then eventually when we rehearse it those ways, it can come out physically. Did you know that bad thinking can make you sick? Amen. So we can rehearse it by verbally going over it, mentally going over it, emotionally going over it. And listen to this, because this is the key uh, word. You know, our our culture uh, uses key words these days, you know. And so here's one of them. It's trauma. And trauma is real. But I believe a lot of people is using trauma as an excuse too. Amen. Trauma, listen, is grief and pain that has been rehearsed over time until it has become part of our emotional DNA. Oh, I'm going to say that again. Look at your neighbor and say, he sound like Dr. Phil this morning. Go on and tell him. <laughs> Trauma is grief, sadness, emotional mind pain. Trauma is grief and pain that has been rehearsed over time until it has become part of our emotional DNA. And so what happens is if you stay in grief too long and you continue to rehearse it, whatever happened to you now can become trauma because you haven't learned how to let it go. And here's the bad part about walking in trauma. The pain that you experienced 20 years ago is going to feel like you experienced it now because you didn't deal with it 20 years ago. And what happens, the negative attitude that you have that caused, listen, because if you're in pain, you don't feel good. You don't act good. You don't talk good. You ain't good. So if you're walking in trauma, you're walking in pain. And what you don't realize is all the pain that you're causing other people. Amen. Everybody say, you can nurse it, you can rehearse it, or you can reverse it. Now, this is when you and I manage grief from a biblical perspective and allow Jesus to help us and help us and help strengthen us. So how do we spiritually and scripturally deal with grief? Here's number one. Here's the first way you deal with grief is you have to remember that what we are experiencing is common to man. I don't care what you're going through. 
Somebody done went through it. You say, well, pastor, it's a new disease that they say I have. Well, it might be new to the doctors, but it might, listen, it ain't new to God though. And so sometimes we position ourselves in such a way that, that we're grieving over something, not realizing that someone else has gone through it. Our situation may be unique to us, but it's mostly, most likely common to other people. So here's the key. If somebody else has gone through it and you know them, they still living. So you're going to live too. Amen. Listen to now the amplified version of 1 Corinthians 10. It says, for no temptation or no trial regarding as enticing to sin, no matter how it comes or where it leads, has overtaken you and laid hold on you that is not common to man. That is, no temptation or trial has come to you that is beyond human resistance and that is not adjusted and adapted and belonging to the human experience. And such as man can bear. But God is faithful. Everybody say God is faithful. God is faithful to his word and to his compassionate nature. And he can be what? Trusted not to let you be tempted and tried and assayed beyond your ability and strength of resistance and power to endure. You know, most people are mad at God. So he can't give them the strength they need to get through it. It's very difficult to trust somebody you're mad at. And sometimes we're mad at God because we ask him to do something that he didn't do. But see, when you have a God perspective on something, if you don't have that, you don't see what he sees. I, 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 it happens all the time. I, I get calls and, and uh, uh, a member or a loved one, they're praying for their mom or grandmother or whoever it may be. And they're praying and, they, and, and they're like, uh, you know, I want granny to live. Now, granny, is her, her life right now is not quality. So you're praying for granny to live, but granny is praying for God to release her. Who do you think God's going to listen to? I, uh, one of our staff, dad was in the hospital and, uh, they said, pastor, will you call my dad and pray for him? And I said, sure. So, uh, I don't know if we FaceTimed it, but anyway, we had a conversation. And so, uh, actually it was FaceTime because the dad looked real good. I thought he looks real good to be, be about to die. So that was interesting to me. So I'm talking, I said, dad, how you doing? He said, oh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm okay. I said, well, what's going on? So he started talking to me. I said, well, what is the doctor saying? Well, the doctor said, I only have a few uh, little, little to live here. So, you know, they asked me to bring all my children in and, and so everybody could say goodbye. I said, well, well, what do you want, Dad? Because I can't pray against what he wants. I said, what do you want? He said, well, I, I'm ready to go home and be with the Lord. I said, well, well, dad, sounds like you got a relationship with God. I'll see you in heaven. Something like that, right? Here's what's interesting. A week and a half later, the staff member comes to me and says, Pastor, the doctors gave my dad wrong advice. He's not going to die. Who are you going to put your trust in? 
Are you going to put your trust in a doctor's report? And I'm not saying doctors are bad. I'm just saying, whose report are you going to believe? Here it is. This man believed the doctor and the doctor was wrong. Amen. So grief is real. It goes on to say that God will provide the way out or the means of escape to a landing place that you and I are capable and strong and power Powerful to bear up under it patiently. Here's the second thing we got to do when it comes to grief. We must decide, are we going to let Jesus bear our grief or are we going to carry it ourselves? I'm going to say that again. You and I, we must decide, say decide. Look at your neighbor and say, you need to make a decision. We must decide, are we going to let Jesus bear our griefs or are we going to carry it ourselves? The Amplified Version of Isaiah 53.3 says this. He, Jesus, was despised and rejected and forsaken by men. He was a man of sorrows, a man of pains, acquainted with grief and sickness. And like one from whom men hid their faces, he was despised. And we did not appreciate his worth or even uh, esteem for him. Verse 4, watch this. Surely he, Jesus, he has borne our what, church? Our griefs. He's borne our what? Our griefs. The word griefs there means, uh, the word born there means to carry, to hold up, and to forgive. In other words, Jesus surely has carried our griefs. He's carried them. He's carried them. I'm going to show you uh, this word grief in another verse. In Joshua chapter 4 verse 8, or the word born, it means to carry. I'm going to show you this word again. It says in Joshua 4, 8, and the children of Israel did so and Joshua commanded them and they took up 12 stones. The word took up is the same word carry or the same word bore our griefs. Second Kings chapter 23 shows us this word again and I want to show it to you because I'm going to illustrate it because this is what a lot of people do with grief. They're carrying it. Second Kings chapter 23 verse 4 says this, and the king commanded Hilkiah, the high priest and the priest of the second order and the keepers of the door to bring forth out of the temple of the Lord all the vessels that were made for Baal and for the grove and for all the host of heaven watch this here it comes and he burned them outside of jerusalem in the fields of kidron and he carried that's that word right there born he carried the ashes of them unto bethel now i want to go back up to isaiah 53 go back up to isaiah 53 in the Amplified Version, it says he was despised. And verse 4 says, surely he has borne or carried our grief. So I'm going to have someone to come and help me illustrate this morning. I'm going to have Judah to come and illustrate. Give Judah a big hand clap this morning. Thank you, Judah, for helping me. Now, notice Judah brought his backpack. He, 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 he didn't struggle at all. Did y'all see him struggle? He brought it up here. and uh, Pick it up again for me, Judah. Ah, no big deal. No big deal. But now, I'm going to introduce my backpack. Now, my backpack, I'm going to ask Judah to see if he can pick it up. Let's move this one out of the way. And uh, let's pick this one up right here. Can you pick that one up, Judah? Ooh, uh, does he look like he's, that, now let me ask you a question. Does he look like he's struggling? 
He looks like he's struggling a little bit. Okay, so, uh, yeah, here you go. Oh, wow. Okay, so, so Judah, let's, let's put it on your back since you're struggling a little bit. Let's, let's put it on your back and see if, uh-oh, looks like I'm going to have to stay behind here. <laughs> okay, all right. Now, does this look heavy? All right, so stay right there, Judah. All right, thank you. Y'all give him a hand clap. Now, in fact, stand right here so they can see you that way. Yeah. Now, the Bible just told us that Jesus bore or carried our griefs. Jesus did that. So here's my question. Why are we carrying them? Here it is. Judah, let's try one more time. Judah is carrying grief. But it's too heavy for him. I don't even want to break his back. (laughs) Thank you, Judah. But let's say that I'm Jesus. Jesus said, oh, I got that. Right? I got it. But see, the problem with us is, here we go, here we go, here we go. This is what we do. It starts with this one. It's a light problem. It's a light grief. I can handle this, Jesus. I'm good. So, you know, we can't. In fact, we just use one arm. We're carrying around grief, sadness, pain. And for whatever reason, I don't know. But because we can handle it, we haven't invited Jesus to it. So what happens is the backpacks of life gets heavier. And so we don't let the grief go. We continue to walk around with it until it is so heavy, we are now what they call burdened down. Y'all give Judah a big hand clap. Thank you, Judah. You can go back to dad. There you go, buddy. Yes. Yes, I paid him too, by the way. <laughs> so, after giving Jesus, because here's what has to happen. We have to give him, here you can have this. We have to give him the grief. He said, well, Pastor Evan, how do I do that? I thought I did. But did I just give him that backpack? Or did I think about giving him the backpack? I gave it to him, right? So we must give him these griefs and we must do that by faith. So then the question is, how do we manage the remembrance of it? Because see, once we give it to him, how do we give it to him? We give it to him in prayer. That's what prayer is. Prayer is an exchange. It's you, of course, communicating with God, praising God, giving God thanks. But prayer is also reciprocal. God wants to do some things. But the Bible says, cast your care upon him because he cares for you. So let's say, for instance, you cast that grief. Because, see, some of you all, you don't know you're grieving. This is for my single people. One of the reasons you are still single is because you're still grieving over the last one. Amen. Do you know your attitude is like bad breath that gives off an odor? I'm talking to somebody right now. This is prophetic, and I'm talking to somebody right now. You lost your job. Pay good, good benefit. I mean, you, it was a great job. Even though you hated it, it was a great job. It's a great job. Here's the problem. All right. 
They let you go. You don't realize they did you a favor. But because you still are grieving over the loss, when you go in to interview for new jobs, they smell that odor. They smell grief on you. Amen. Some of us need some spiritual Listerine. You know, I try to smell your own bread. That don't work. Ask somebody. <laughs> you, you're going into this interview. But because you're grieving from your last job, the odor of grief is coming across. Watch this. You don't seem safe to them even though you're qualified. Amen. So... How do we manage remembering the grief? Because if I give it over to Jesus, it doesn't mean I forget about what happened. Okay? So here's point number three as we close. Point number three. Let the remembrance of the situation cause praise and adoration. I'm going to say that again. Let the remembrance of the situation, because you're going to remember. You're going to remember. And and if if you have not done what I'm teaching you now, then it's probably trauma by now because you've rehearsed it and you've rehearsed it and you've rehearsed it and you've rehearsed it. And remember I said, when you continue to rehearse something, it's going to eventually turn into trauma is nothing but remembered pain. That's all it is. And if you don't deal with it, it gets into your DNA. And so now some of us, it's not grief anymore, it's trauma. So how do you manage the situation or how do you uh, let the remembrance of it uh, what do you do about it well you have to praise so in other words you got to praise God for his promises regarding the situation because see depression listen church is the result of repeated reviews of the problem with no solution in sight I'm going to say that again depression is the result of repeated reviews of the problem with no solution in sight. It's just like going to the refrigerator for the fifth time and the same thing is in there. Have you ever done that? It's going to open it up. Kids do that. It's going to look in there. Then 10 minutes later, they, they back in the fridge again. The same thing is in there. We ain't went grocery shopping or Instacarting at all. Well, that's what we do. Same thing. That's what depression is. It's a review and repeated review of the problem with no solution in sight. So Philippians 4 tells us what to do. He says, finally, brethren, whatever things are what? True. Whatsoever things are what? Honest. Whatever things are what? Just. Whatever things are what? Pure. Whatever things are what? Lovely. Whatever things are of good report. He says, if there be any virtue... And if you can praise God about it, that's what you need to think on. I'm going to read it again, the New Living Translation. It says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. He says, think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. In other words... When the remembrance of the situation comes up, what you're going to do is you're going to praise God in spite of it. 
See, praising God with the promise in mind is just thanking him that it's going to work itself out. And the problem is, if you don't believe that he's going to work it out, then that's where we stay in grief. So, I remember, okay, y'all can't see it, but there's a burn here. Y'all know I burned, it's a big burn too, right? Well, I burnt myself getting some cornbread out of the oven. I was in the seventh grade. See, this is trauma. I'm telling you right now, this is trauma. But it's not stuck trauma. It wasn't trauma to me. It's, a, it's an event. But my mama cooked some Jiffy cornbread. You know the cornbread that they put sugar in? Yeah. <laughs> so I went in there to get it. And I raised my arm up and that little iron thing stuck, got me. Right? I mean, it burnt me bad. Right? I had, for weeks, I had to, I didn't go to the doctor. Back then, you don't go to the doctor. Mama is the doctor. Grandmother is the doctor. So we didn't go to the doctor. But I had to hold my arm up. I had to, had to bandage it. I had to change it out. But I had to hold it up because when I put my arm down, the blood rushed to it and it made it hurt. Right? But I had to do that for weeks. But I'm not grieving over that situation. I have not been traumatized over it. And the proof of that. It's because I still eat cornbread. <laughs> if you're traumatized, oh, I don't like cornbread. I don't like cornbread. I don't want no more cornbread. Because you're not thinking of the cornbread. You're thinking of the burn. I get it. But listen, instead of remembering, see now, this is healed. So now when, when whatever it is <laughs> comes in your heart, when it, when it comes in your mind, because some things you're not going to forget. Now, Paul said, forget those things which are behind. What that means is stop thinking about it. Because, see, you can remember something and not think about it. See, I remember what happened right here, but I, I didn't think about it till just now. So, guess what? If this, let's say this thing here was traumatizing. And every time I look at the scar, I... Think of what happened. What I should do is say, Lord, thank you for your healing power. Because I'm not, I'm not, it's not hurting no more. I'm not in pain no more. I'm healed. And that's what happens. Listen, let's say, for instance, someone died and that was grief. You're grieving through that. I'm talking to somebody. Then guess what you do? You praise God for the joy that the person brought in in your life. Let's say you're grieving over a bad decision. How many of them ever made a bad decision? I made bad decisions. Listen, if you made a bad decision and you're grieving over that, grieving is not going to change the decision. What you need to do is that you need to praise God that he's going to work that thing out for your good. Instead of viewing these things as a tombstone, you need to see it as a stepping stone for God to work it together for good. Because I am a believer and I am a witness that God will take something bad. God will take something ugly. God will take something that looked like it's never going to work again. And he'll work that thing out for you. But And that's what you're praising. Praise is medicine. The Bible says, put on the garment of praise. Watch this. For the spirit of heaviness. So when grief tries to come, praise him. What you in right now that's grieving you, that's keeping you down, 
Just praising. Lord, my kids are acting up. But you said children are a heritage to the Lord. And Father, as for me and my household, we shall serve the Lord. I thank you that Junior is going to serve you, God. I thank you he's a mighty man of God. I thank you, Father, for protecting Junior from all hurt, harm, and danger. I thank you, Lord, that your promises about Junior are right. He will not die early, but he shall live and declare the works of the Lord. Thank you, Father, that Junior is going to be a, a, a mighty man of God in the kingdom. Thank you for using him to change people's lives. See, now I'm going to thank God for Junior's life. I'm not going to let Junior's life cause me to grieve. So how do we apply this real quick? How do we do it? Number one. Ask yourself, what have you been grieving over? Some of you all have been grieving over how your spouse is acting. You done told them over and over and over again, and they act like they don't hear you. Don't look at them, just look straight. Some of you grieving that you married them. It's too, uh, listen, listen. So how do, how, do, how do we apply this? Ask yourself, what have you been grieving over? So let me help you if you don't know. Repeated negative thoughts about situations is a clue to helping you know this. Repeated negative thoughts about something. If you have repeated negative thoughts about something, you're grieving it. Here's the second thing. I want you to sit down and write a letter to Jesus telling him how you feel and then give him the situation. Literally write a letter to him. So that way that's a point of contact. Oh yeah, I wrote a letter to Jesus. I gave it to him. And then here's number three. You're going to offer up sacrifices of praise. Hebrews 13, 15 says, by him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Listen, thank God that he's going to work it out. And then the last thing, if you can't get past it, get some Jesus and some therapy. You, you'll be surprised how just talking about it to somebody else will get it off your chest. Because you're talking about it to your girlfriend, but all you're doing is just talking about it. Amen. So there are some people with every head bowed and every eye closed. There are some people here today. There are some people watching me right now. And you are grieving. You may be grieving over a lost, a loved one who's passed away. Maybe you're grieving over... uh, uh, a material possession that you lost. Maybe there's somebody in the room that your car got hit and now the insurance company is not paying enough for you to get another one. And you're grieving over the fact that now you're going to have to have a, a car note. That's grief. The Bible says... Jesus showed up and his presence was there to heal. And I believe if you will just give that backpack of grief over to the Lord today. Not only do I believe he will heal you and deliver you. But all you have to do to maintain your freedom. When you remember it, you praise him. And so if you're here today, you say, Pastor, I'm. I'm struggling with grief. 
and I want to let it go today. Will you get in agreement with me to let it go? Just raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Raise your hand right there. You see, those who may be grieving, 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 grieving. Lots of people who are grieving today. Father, in the name of Jesus, you know their heart. You know where they are. Jesus, you are the Christ. You bore our griefs. And so I pray today that by the Spirit of God, they will give this grief over to you and let you have it. And in the meantime, they will praise you and thank you for working this thing out. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, there's somebody, you can put your hand down. I'm going to finish praying in just a second. There's somebody who uh, your body is now out of sync. Uh, it's Some things are not right with it. And you've been going to the doctor and they have not been able to pinpoint what it is because what they don't know is your physical problem is a result of this spiritual problem. And if you let it go today, if you release this thing right now, those symptoms of that sickness will go away right now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. If that's you, raise your hand. Just worship him right there. Raise him up right there. Father, in the name of Jesus, I declare those physical symptoms in their life will stop right now. You have no hold on them. Grief, we got you. You cannot stand before the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus is greater than every name. And at that name, everything must bow. And I command grief to bow. In the mighty name of Jesus. And I thank you, Father, that those symptoms will go away. And when they go back to the doctor and the doctor says, hey, uh, are those symptoms still here? You'll be able to say, nope, they went away. And he's going to say, what happened? Or she's going to say, what happened? And you're going to say, oh, that was just grief. It's gone. And Father, I thank you for greater things taking place. In the lives of your people in Jesus' name. Whatever here, still bow. Here's my question. If you died today, are you 100% sure you'd go to heaven? Because if you're not sure, I want to pray for you. Maybe you're here today.